not fear the one and only Tucker Carlson. He's here, right here, right now. Buck up, it's going to get better. Hello, welcome to Tucker Down. I'm Troy. And I'm Tyler. And this is a podcast where we talk about totally not a Russian asset, Tucker Carlson. You can't even you can't even pretend that he's not a Russian ass. D- didn't RT just like play an unedited like segment oh, it, from him? It, four different ones, actually. Four different um, ones. Okay. Yeah, it, we are going to be talking about that. And, and right. just to be clear, I, I I don't think the Tucker is like on the payroll of the Kremlin. I'll, I'll get that out of the way up front. I just think he's an idiot, <laughs> and we'll we'll make that case very clearly as we go, because today we are going to be talking about Ukraine. Um, Great. But before we do that, Tyler, do we have any any uh, patrons this week? We sure do. We have one new patron. Their name is Jillian, and they are a lying, smug, pompous group thinker. Thank you, Jillian. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jillian. Yeah, so Tyler, we had a little bit of a winding road to get to this episode. I had a more normal episode, partially prepared, and then Russia invaded Ukraine, and um, something really weird started to happen on Tucker's show. And uh, given the, the the gravity of the situation and everything, I, I I felt like we couldn't, in good conscience, just not talk about it. Yeah, T- Tucker has been talking about Ukraine pretty pretty consistently since November, and I have been reticent to bring it up on the show, honestly, because it makes me a little bit insecure. Like I am not a foreign policy expert, and um. And, and like once war broke out, it really inti- it really kind of intimidated me. I just I, I was like, "What the fuck am I doing commenting on a war?" You know? Yeah. Um, I, I'm I am gonna be a bit restrained here because I am not a uh, uh, expert on the situation or anyone who you have any reason to really take seriously on the subject. But I do consider myself at this point a bit of an expert on Tucker Carlson, and so. Uh, it, th- that is the context in which we're going to be looking at this today, okay. through the lens of Tucker's Ukraine coverage. Th- th- there, there's a journey here that we're going to follow Tucker on, Tyler. What, what, there's a little bit of schadenfreude in it. This is interesting, and it's a very, it, it's a very interesting look at Tucker's behavior. Um, Lucky for you, I only enjoy schadenfreude from um, people who I actively dislike, so... <laughs> This is perfect. Yeah, I, I I can think of few people who I dislike more than Tucker Carlson at this point. So. <laughs> also, I just want to say uh, I uh, I was talking to my dad, who is a loyal listener of the show, and um, last week when I told him you didn't feel comfortable um, doing an episode on Ukraine yet, he he was like, "How could you possibly feel prepared to do an episode on Ukraine? It's been going on for like twenty years." <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, I don't blame you, man. <laughs> yeah, part of what I had to do here was absolve myself of responsibility a little bit to have all of the answers. I just, like, we're not going to solve this on our podcast today. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we're going to get to the bottom of uh, long-standing geopolitical issues that predate <laughs> our existence. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, Troy is much better at um, finding concrete evidence and reasons for things but i when i approach issues i just have certain values that i approach things with so if i wanted to talk about ukraine um 
Ukraine has a history of being very corrupt, but they are being invaded by a fascist autocrat, so the obvious person to side with is the sovereign nation who is being invaded by the fascist autocrat. Um, but, yeah. you know, it's more complicated than that, obviously. It, it is and it isn't, you know? Like, on, on like, a principles level, like, it, it's it's not... I think you can be fairly uncomplicated and not have any issues in saying that, like, it, Russia invading a sovereign nation is bad. Yeah. Um, that is a, a, a very bad thing, and um, most people have rightfully condemned it. Uh, and then we're going to talk about... What somebody, Tucker has done. <laughs> we're going to talk about somebody who is not most people. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it, it was in November of 2021. I, I mean, there's been sort of an undeclared state of war, at least since 2014, when, when Russia annexed the Crimean Peninsula, right? But it was in November of 2021 that we started seeing Putin amass a much larger retinue of forces along Ukraine's eastern border. And um, it, it was around that point. Tucker was pretty early on this, and uh, right off the bat, his coverage in November was, um, hey, y'all, we might, we might end up going to war with Russia. We don't want to do that. That was kind of his initial positioning on the matter. Okay. Um, and that... I mean, it, without any other context, going to war is generally bad. And I think that part of what we're see what what we're going to see in Tucker's behavior is him not wanting to repeat the mistakes he made with the Iraq war because in in the lead up to the Iraq war Tucker was absolutely a cheerleader for for going into Iraq. He uh he bought into the neocon line hard. And uh he kind of was humiliated for that as many other pundits were. Mm-hmm. And um and a lot of people because uh, so, today, Tucker will talk about how he got that wrong, and he, he will say he was wrong for supporting the Iraq War. And a lot of people tend to view that kind of cynically because of how Tucker is as a person, that it's like, oh, well, I mean, he's just riding the political winds. It was popular in his sphere at the time to sign on to the Iraq War, and now it's no longer um, politically expedient for him to do that. So, of course, he's going to say that was a mistake. That I, sounds like something I would say. Yeah, and I... <laughs> And th- th- that's totally fair. Um, I do tend to be a little bit more charitable in my interpretation than that. I think that Tucker sincerely feels like he fucked up uh, on the Iraq War. And so I-, I think part of what we see as he begins gearing up into this Ukraine coverage is him not wanting to fall into that trap again. Okay. Um, and so he takes the opposite tack and is very, why would we ever go to war for any reason ever yes because that was the problem (laughs) with supporting the iraq war uh but but there's that said that's about as far as my charity extends because there's a lot of other stuff wrapped in this wrapped up in this too that we're uh we'll unpack as we look at his his coverage of the situation so um i want to step back in time a little and just get an idea of what tucker's coverage prior to the invasion has looked like over these last few months. Okay. So this first thing we're going to look at here is from November 11th. Um, This was, uh, I I believe this was the second time he discussed Ukraine on his show at this point, since since Russia began mobilizing forces on the border. He he brings on a congressman named Mike Turner. Mike Turner, at this point, had, uh, he'd sent a letter to the Biden White House 
calling for the Biden White House to very forcefully say that if need be, we will commit American armed forces to Ukraine. And so Tucker brings Congressman Mike Turner on his show here on November 11th, 2021, to discuss that letter. Um, and this, I think at the beginning, Turner didn't really realize what Tucker's agenda was in this interview, because it, the, the tone of this conversation changes fairly quickly. Here's how it begins. So, um, Tucker, thank you so much for bringing attention to this issue. This is one that the mainstream media is not going to be reporting. And it's incredibly important for people to understand what Russia is doing and really the threat to the United States and the threat to the United States allies. Well, that, that's, that's kind of the, 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 the force of my question. My first one is we have a lot of military families watch this show. You've called for sending American troops to Ukraine, to the region, as you put it. I, I wonder if you could explain to them why it is in America's interest if sure. their kids risk their lives sure. in Ukraine. Yeah, well, there's a couple of things, which I'm certain you're aware of, of, Tucker, that the United States signed with Russia and Ukraine a treaty in Budapest guaranteeing the territorial integrity of Ukraine in exchange for them during the um, dismantling of the Soviet Union of giving up nuclear weapons, of not being a nuclear weapon state. And in Bucharest, NATO uh, summit, we also agree with our NATO allies uh, that Ukraine, which is an ally to NATO, uh, would receive uh, a pathway uh, to NATO. Russia sees Ukraine as importantly strategic because it's also the pipelines uh, to give gas to Europe that they're trying to bypass with respect to building Nord Stream 2. As you know, Russia's already invaded uh, Ukraine once and taken Crimea, which they've, uh, they've militarized and are likely very advanced nuclear weapons there. We already have troops in Ukraine. Uh, the issue of our letter is to raise the importance so that people understand that we're about ready to see debacle number two of the Biden administration. You know, we all think of Afghanistan, and that's really coming out of this. China, Russia are going to be more uh, adventuresome as a result of the failures of the administration. But when you think of, of, of Afghanistan, you think of those planes leaving and people running toward those planes, people falling to their death. And as you know, Tucker, if those planes were Russian, no one be, would, Russian, no one would be running toward them. This is the, the idea of America, of democracy, freedom. But, but may I just ask really quick? So, and it's so, certainly one that is a, a, an ally of ours. So the lesson of 20 years in Afghanistan and the tragic and cowardly and counterproductive exit from Afghanistan is that we need more troops in Ukraine? I, I don't, so why should the average American no, care about up, the well, territorial integrity of Ukraine? Sincerely. Yeah, so we have here Mike Turner. He kind of comes in with this um, this prepared pr monologue about, th thank you for drawing attention to this issue, Tucker. The mainstream media is not going to cover this. We want to avoid another Afghanistan debacle, right? The mainstream media isn't going to cover a war. <laughs> yeah. Um, sure. And, the, and then Tucker pretty quickly pivots. He's like, well, no, what I want to ask you is, why should the average American care what happens in Ukraine? And that pretty immediately marks a shift in the tone of this conversation. Um, for the rest of this, Mike Turner, he's kind of on the back foot and a bit more defensive in his position. Okay, so Tucker doesn't believe that a global economy is important to American interests, <laughs> I'm guessing, because, yeah. you know, having a fascist autocrat invade a sovereign nation where we, who with whom we trade, uh, affects American lives. <laughs> that seems, that seems simple to me and I'm not a foreign policy person either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and Tucker's, 
he we're gonna see him take a very myopic view of this and it to the extent that he even acknowledges that there might be american interests connected to ukraine um his argument is that there shouldn't be even more basic than that i don't i don't like when people die um yeah so like <laughs> i have an interest in stopping people from killing people needlessly i mean you you, you can take a moral stand against acts of imperialist aggression even if they don't directly affect your country <laughs> yeah um and Tucker is hostile even to that idea. And is this war going to lower my taxes? <laughs> yeah, I mean we're we're basically going to see him make that exact argument. Oh my like, god, you're, you're you're not far off. I was I was being I was making a caricature, Troy. <laughs> um, when will I learn? Tucker and Mike Turner go back and forth a little bit on well, why does this matter for Americans? Why should Americans give a shit what happens in Ukraine? And then this is sort of where things end up by the, by the time this conversation resolves. That's what we've said is make certain that we give them what they need. Give them intelligence, give them but, lethal weapons, but, give them assistance. But, but why, give them why would we, why would we take Ukraine? But hold on. Why would we take Ukraine's side and not Russia's side? It's a sincere question. If you're looking from the American perspective. No, but why? I mean, who's got the energy reserves? Who's, who's the major player in world affairs? Who's the potential counterbalance against China, which is the actual threat? Why would we take Ukraine's side? Why wouldn't we on Russia's side? I, I don't. I'm totally confused. Well, clearly. <laughs> um, I know this isn't a video podcast, but I am very frustrated. And I think that's why Troy was laughing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so Russia is a counterbalance for China. In what way? <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's something Tucker will flesh out. Um, one, of the, one of the planks of his argument is that if we, if we take Ukraine's side in this conflict, then that's just going to push Russia further into an alliance with China. So what's actually in America's best interest is to take Russia's side and maintain a good relationship with them so that we can form a coalition with Russia against China. Hold on. How how does that follow at all? Why would why would Russia switch sides if they are ideologically predisposed to side with China? Why would our siding with them make them not like China afterwards? Yeah, the, 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 this is extremely silly. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> all right. As long as we're on the same page, <laughs> and and that that's something we'll unpack as we as we move through some of these. Uh, pastime clips here because he's he will flesh that idea out a bit more um i'm sure it will get less stupid as we go <laughs> but yeah here here we see as early as november 11th tucker is like what well why wouldn't we take china's side i don't get it and or, i'm sorry why wouldn't we take russia's side um and I, I i did like at the end there when tucker was like i'm very confused and mike turner goes clearly ah <laughs> <sighs> um yeah, so that's that's where we were in November. Um, so then if we move ahead a little bit to December 7th. December 7th, I believe, was the first episode where Tucker dedicated an opening monologue to the Ukraine issue. Um, and so this is how that kicks off. Tucker Carlson said, here's something all of us need to begin to internalize. Just because something seems far-fetched or it seems crazy or it seems totally destructive to core American interests doesn't mean the U.S. government won't do it. That's the main lesson of the moment we're living in. 
So with that in mind, do not discount, no matter how far-fetched it may seem, a hot war with Russia. Yes, that is a lunatic idea. There is nothing we could possibly gain from a military confrontation with Vladimir Putin, and there's very much we could lose, including, of course, many thousands of American lives. But that doesn't mean Joe Biden won't do it. Biden is unpopular, he's incompetent, and he's desperate. But more than anything, Joe Biden is weak. He is a pawn of his staff and the hard-eyed ideologues who surround him. Russia is currently involved in a border dispute with neighboring Ukraine. Many of Biden's closest aides are pushing the United States to get involved militarily. Now, among the many, many ironies here is that the Ukraine crisis was largely created by Joe Biden's own aides and many people like them throughout all levels of the U.S. government. Okay, so I shouldn't be surprised that Tucker is mad that Biden is not autocratic enough. <laughs> um, the reason that liberal democracies are good is because a single person does not hold the power to control literally everything. Um, and he's mad about that. He thinks that we should be more like Russia and have a strongman leader who controls yeah. everything. Yeah, and we, uh, I mean, we, we, we've well documented how, how Tucker fetishizes Viktor Orban. Um, yes, yes we have. He, uh, Tucker likes him a strongman. Uh, he... Uh, and I mean, he, um, he's given the air, he's given airtime to Curtis Yarvin and presented him as like a smart guy who's worth listening to. And Curtis Yarvin is literally a monarchist. <laughs> so, uh, it, Tucker is, I, I, I would say he's, uh, he, he pr presents himself as a soft no on autocracy and, uh, <laughs> 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 um, so he 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 has he has a lot of these strong men sympathies anyway. Just temperamentally, he's going to have some sympathy for uh, Putin, given that he has um, been the 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 sole uh, autocratic leader of Russia for twenty years. Yes, but but he's still very much on this. Like America has nothing to gain from siding with Ukraine. We shouldn't be involved in this. Um, I. I don't have the clip because I couldn't remember exactly what day it was on, but at some point throughout this stretch of time, Tucker literally says, uh, the United States should let Putin take all of Europe for all we care. Um, he's just like... This no, no, he shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Tucker's position is like, it, we, we don't have a dog in this race, or if we do, then we shouldn't. Uh, let's just wash our hands of it and let Putin do what he's going to do. <sighs> but we do. We're a global economy. When other people suffer we suffer <laughs> yeah it, it, and and also like i'm not a huge fan of liberal democracy but i like it more than i like fascist autocracy and i am in favor of the expansion of liberal democracy <laughs> fair <laughs> um yeah. that would be good for everyone in the world and not just the u.s <laughs> yeah it like the I, it, it it is a it is pretty um, non Well, I can't say it's non-controversial, but it's pretty mainstream as a value that more people having more agency in their society is is a better outcome. Unless you're a fascist autocrat like Tucker. Yes. <laughs> um, continuing a little bit more in this December 7th monologue, Tucker now wants to uh, explain the Russian position in all this. 
Uh, both sides. So here's the Russian uh, position. For Russia, the core question is NATO. NATO is the post-war military alliance created in 1949 to keep the Soviets from invading Western Europe, and it worked pretty well for about 40 years. But the Soviet Union has not existed in more than three decades as part of history now. And yet NATO very much lives on, better funded than ever. It is an army without a purpose. So at this point, NATO exists primarily to torment Vladimir Putin, who, whatever his many faults, has no intention of invading Western Europe. Vladimir Putin does not want Belgium. He just wants to keep his Western borders secure. That's why he doesn't want Ukraine to join NATO. And that makes sense. Imagine how we would feel if Mexico and Canada became satellites of China. We wouldn't like that at all. That, that's such a weird thing to say. <laughs> I, I don't even know how to respond to that. Yeah. It, we should side with Russia because there's a bigger team against them. That's the pretty much uh, it or what I think what he wants the audience to come away with is that because uh, I, I want to outline like what are the planks of Tucker's argument here? So the first plank is that America has no interest in defending Ukraine. Um, the second plank, as we see here, is that Russia's Russia has legitimate security concern. Um, Which it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, that, that that is bullshit. It's trying to secure <laughs> its western border by moving it over Ukraine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'd, I'd really like to secure my bank account by stealing more of your money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Russia has legitimate security concern um, because if Ukraine joins NATO, then, um, you know, step step three, question marks, step four. Profit. Because, <laughs> 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 uh, like, NATO is, like, NATO isn't going to invade Russia. So even, no. like, even if we take his premise here, I don't know what he thinks the security concern is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very strange. Very strange and weird things that Tucker is saying. <laughs> and like, the, he, he, when he talks about the idea of Ukraine joining NATO, he, he'll phrase it as, um, as NATO taking over Ukraine. But like, that, that's not what NATO... Like, you, you wouldn't... The United States... We live in a country that isn't a NATO member, and you wouldn't say that we are ruled by NATO. NATO didn't conquer the United States. What does no. that even mean? No. Um, it's just like a... It's just like friends holding hands. If I was alone in the dark, I would want to join the circle of friends holding hands. If, you know, there were predators out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's... Um, and then... What he said there about, imagine if Mexico and Canada became satellite states of China. We would, right, we would rightfully view that as a threat. Well, yes, but I don't think for the reasons you think it is. Discounting all the hoops you'd have to jump through there to even make that uh, a plausible scenario. Yeah, um, yeah like, it, again, countries you, have to be ideologically aligned in order to do that. <laughs> Yeah, and like, if we to the extent we would see it as a threat, it would be based on the the premise of a a land invasion by China. There's no danger of a land invasion by NATO on Russia. Like that's just no. it's not. Um, 
Also, that thing that Tucker said about how NATO was created to fight the Soviet Union, but the Soviet Union hasn't existed in 30 years. Um, because I watch way too much Tucker Carlson, I know that that's actually a talking point he got he lifted directly from Donald Trump. Because um, any time that Tucker talks about Trump, especially like in interviews through like 2017 through 2019, um, he will say that Trump's strength is that he... Uh, is able to recognize, um, like, because he's not from kind of the establishment world of politics, he's able to recognize things most people accept as dogma that don't make sense. And the example he gives is one time in, I believe, 2017, when Tucker was interviewing Trump, and uh, the subject of NATO came up, and Trump goes, why do we have NATO? NATO was formed to fight the Soviet Union, and the Soviet Union doesn't exist anymore. And Tucker was like, oh, I've never thought about that. That's a good point. Um, okay. <laughs> so. That's just wrong. Like, okay. If you generalize a little bit and just re and just restate that and say NATO was an alliance between countries with similar interests to protect themselves against a common threat it still has every right to exist by that definition. Just because the threat is not the Soviet Union anymore doesn't mean that there aren't threats to the common interest of the global economy. And that's another thing we'll bring up as we get into another one of the pillars of Tucker's coverage here. He wants to pretend that the only reason Vladimir Putin uh, has any interest in Ukraine is because he's threatened by the idea of Ukraine joining NATO. And Tucker will say many times throughout this, that if we just made it clear that, hey, Ukraine will never join NATO, then everything would be fine. Putin would just back off. Um, that's bullshit. Obviously. <laughs> and and uh, it, for, for one thing, there has been no act, there's been no real momentum um, toward Ukraine joining NATO and Putin still invaded. But like in July, Putin published a 5,000-word essay where he wrote about how he views the, he views the Ukrainians and Russians as one people. And wrote, I am convinced that the that the full sovereignty of the Ukrainian people can only be fully realized with the partnership of Russia. The only way that their full sovereignty can be realized is by coming under my rule. Yeah, it could you be any more contradictory? <laughs> yeah, Putin very clearly like just does not recognize Ukraine as legitimate state. He thinks it's rightfully part of Russia and he would think that whether they were a NATO concern or not. Yeah. Um, and the last thing that I wanted to pull out of that clip was just Tucker literally said, Putin is never going to invade Western Europe. He just wants to secure his border, which could not have aged more poorly. Nope. <laughs> um, well, I'm sure Tucker's going to say this isn't really an invasion for some reason. <laughs> um, That's my prediction. So then... Uh, Got a little bit more from December 7th here. Tucker is going to give an example of how Russia has, like, really legitimate concerns here, you guys. In Russia's case, this is an existential question. A NATO takeover of Ukraine would compromise Russia's access to its Sebastopol naval base. That's the site of the Russian Black Sea Fleet and one of the country's only connections to international waters. In the words of Russia scholar Richard Sakwa, if Russia lost the Sevastopol naval base, it would be, quote, the biggest military geopolitical defeat of Russia in the last thousand years. 
So for Vladimir Putin, that's unacceptable. It's a disaster. He cannot let it happen. He will not let it happen. But for the United States, and this is the main point here, there would be no benefit either. The United States would gain precisely nothing from taking over Ukraine. Why would we want to do that? At best, we'd be driving Russia, and we are, in fact, deeper into the arms of the government of China. And that would be a disaster for the United States and a disaster for the world. Was someone suggesting that the United States was going to take over Ukraine? <laughs> yeah, that, that's what he thinks Ukraine joining NATO means, <laughs> is the U.S. taking over Ukraine. Okay, so he doesn't know what NATO is <laughs> or what military alliances are. <laughs> um, and th th there's actually something more sinister going on in that, in that because at, at other points, Tucker will say that um, Ukraine is just a client state of the United States. Um, and when he says stuff like that, he he's undermining the idea of Ukraine as like a sovereign nation, which is explicitly, as we just mentioned, a Russian talking point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know we like to, to harp on, on nation states on this show, but goddamn... The, the shit that people get away with thinking when they can convince themselves that people who live somewhere else are not people. <laughs> yeah, it, it sure would be great if maybe we just didn't have all that. Yeah. <laughs> but, Call me a globalist. But we do, and you know, lots of people um, have suffered and will continue to suffer as a result of it. And uh, Until we all die. <laughs> so, <laughs> we've got to deal with that. Um Sorry, upbeat podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the most upbeat podcast about a war. <laughs> um, as far as the Sevastopol naval base thing, so Sevastopol is a Russian-controlled naval base in Crimea, um, which obviously is contested territory between Russia and Ukraine and has been for some time. Yes. Um, Russia has controlled this naval base for a long time. After the dissolution of the Soviet Union, there was a 1997 treaty with Ukraine that allowed Russia to keep its Black Sea fleet at the naval base with about 15,000 personnel on a lease that was uh, set to expire in 2042. Um, That's a long lease. The Sevastopol naval base is the heart of Russia's navy. Like, their Black Sea fleet um, is the epicenter of all Russia's naval power. And so it is strategically important to them to maintain control of that which is a problem because it's not in their country <laughs> yeah and that's also like not ukraine's problem that's what tucker is referring to there um so then now on december 7th we're gonna hear another one of the talking points that will become recurring in the way tucker discusses ukraine and this is just like a bullshit bad faith argument um, it's essentially like, hey, why are we so worried about Ukraine's territorial integrity when we don't seem to care about our own territorial integrity? Yes, because our territorial integrity is at such risk from military... Ukraine's territorial integrity! That's the concern. That's what this is really about, they're telling us. Because if there's one thing the Biden White House cares about, it's secure borders, at least in Eastern Europe, where borders are not racist. Ukraine's borders must be defended. It would be immoral to open those borders to the world and allow, say, tens of thousands of unemployed Haitians to pour across. We can't allow that. In fact, we will send American troops to Ukraine to prevent that. 
Open borders are only permitted in Texas, Arizona, and California, and anywhere else the potential Democratic voters might arrive uninvited from the third world. But Ukraine, no. Ukraine is a God-given right to territorial integrity, and American soldiers will die to defend that territorial integrity. That's our official position as a country. So the question is, what is this really about? Of course. Okay. Um, so it, that obviously it is, is the stupidest <laughs> thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's, that, that, that is a bad faith argument if I've ever heard one. Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone talking about the Ukraine, I could be wrong, but I don't think anyone talking about the Ukraine is mostly, f- excuse me, is mostly focused on the territorial integrity of Ukraine. They're worried about the people of Ukraine getting murdered by Russia. (laughs) Because there is a threat of that in Ukraine and not in Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and California. There's not there's not a military threat waiting at the border to kill a bunch of Texans. Yeah. You piece of shit. Yeah, so that uh, th- that's what we'll call the third plank of Tucker's argument, which is that it would be hypocritical for the United States to get involved uh, in defending Ukraine's borders when we won't defend our own, which, you know. As long as you equivocate the reason that we are <laughs> defending Ukraine and... <laughs> yeah, and, it, and if, you, if you're willing to accept that there's no difference between immigration and a military invasion. Yes, yes. Much better said. So the question is, what is this really about? Of course, it's not about democracy, for which they have zero respect. Well, in part, it's a hangover from the lunatic Russia hoax that absorbed Washington for three years. Everything about Vladimir Putin is bad, therefore, let's have a war with him. A lot of people think that. But there's also a deeper cause here that's rarely noted. For years, Ukrainian interests have pumped millions of lobbying dollars into Washington, D.C. to change American foreign policy in the region. At one point, as you may have heard, they employed the president's own son to repeat their talking points. So tens of thousands of dollars a month to tell us that Russia is bad and we need to stand with Ukraine because democracy, even as we work to overthrow democracy in Ukraine. So with that in mind, now that you know that, maybe you were not so surprised when Joe Biden concluded that Vladimir Putin doesn't possess a soul. I am, I very strongly believe that no one before that very moment said anything about the insolment of Vladimir Putin. <laughs> so, I, I actually have to push back on you there because. All right. Um, here I am thinking I live in a, in a reasonable world. Because regarding, regarding Vladimir Putin's soul. Um, Tucker is referring to a specific exchange that happened um, when Joe Biden had there was a meeting between Joe Biden and Vladimir Putin. And during that conversation, Joe Biden said, I know that you don't have a soul to which Vladimir Putin responded. We understand each other. Get fucked, Putin. <laughs> so so that, that that's what he was. Shad Biden. <laughs> so that's what he was referring to there. Um, and, and Biden saying that was actually a direct reference to George W. Bush back in the day. Um, when he was talking about a meeting he'd have with Putin and he was like, I looked into his eyes and I saw a soul. Okay. <laughs> How do you even... Evangelical Christianity, man. It's a hell of a drug. <laughs> 
the, what I wanted to pull out of that clip was the the fourth plank of Tucker's argument, which is the only reason that the Biden administration supports Ukraine is because the Ukrainian government paid a bunch of money to Hunter Biden at one point. So essentially, he's making the argument that the Bidens are bought off and therefore loyal to Ukraine. Um, what he's talking about here is the fact that from 2014 to 2019, Hunter Biden served on the board of Burisma, which was a Ukrainian-based energy company. Um, yes. And, and that was absolutely a nepotism thing. He was there because he was the vice president's kid. Yes. Um, and, and nepotism is bad. Yeah, it's it, it 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 it's very dumb that Hunter Biden got that job, and dumb that he was paid fifty thousand dollars a month for it. Yup. Um, fifty thousand dollars. I could do so much with fifty thousand dollars a month, man. For, for fucking real, dude. <laughs> um, we, we'd have an episode every day. <laughs> <laughs> I could drop out of school. I could. Just... <laughs> no, but uh, like that's more than I make in a year. <laughs> yeah. Yup. But uh. Tucker is lying there because he he he's trying. He, what he said was, the Ukrainian government paid Hunter Biden um, tens of thousands of dollars to repeat their talking points. Um, Hunter Biden was not paid by the Ukrainian government; he was paid by this energy company, okay. um, and he was not paid to parrot Ukrainian talking points. The, the the two were unrelated. There actually was in relation to potential conflict of interests with Hunter Biden working for this company. Um, there was a Republican-led Senate investigation that found no wrongdoing on the part of the Bidens. <laughs> we will conveniently ignore that information. <laughs> and also, uh, P- President Zelensky in Ukraine was elected in 2019, which was the year that Hunter Biden stopped working for Burisma. So it, it it's not even like the same government that we're talking about. Okay, all right. That seems like an important point. Um, if if we lived in a world where facts mattered, I guess. <laughs> so then that's everything from December seventh. So now we're going to move into January twenty fourth to see Tucker flesh flesh out his Ukraine position a little bit further. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. When permanent Washington pushes for war with Russia, who benefits? We don't ask that question enough. The United States certainly doesn't benefit. That's obvious to anyone who thinks about it for a second. It's so glaringly obvious, in fact, that the people pushing this war immediately denounce you as a traitor if you point that out. They're betraying our country's interests, but somehow you're the one who's disloyal. Ukraine's borders are sacred. Our borders are racist. Shut up, Putin stooge. But wait a second, why is it disloyal to side with Russia, but loyal to side with Ukraine? They're both foreign countries that don't care anything about the United States. Kind of strange. It's all an absurd performance, but it's all they've got in the end. The fact is Ukraine is strategically irrelevant to the United States. No rational person could defend a war with Russia over Ukraine. Nobody thinks a war like that would make America safer or stronger or more prosperous. Have you taken a look at our economy recently? Dangerous levels of inflation, a workforce in disarray, wildly chaotic swings in financial markets, in case you haven't noticed. Will joining a conflict in Eastern Europe fix any of that? Come on, of course not. It'll make it worse. If the neocons aren't restrained and soon, Americans are going to be a lot poorer. So why are they doing this? So we know that permanent Washington is Tucker's euphemism for the deep state, so... What the argument he's making is that the deep state is pushing for a war with Russia. 
Um, and I do want to clarify, almost no one is in favor of a, a hot war against Russia, even now. Uh, that's that's not what like anybody is saying. Well, nobody wants nukes dropped on their country, so that that needs to be what Tucker pretends the opposing view is, because that's easier for him to attack. I think yes. there's a term for that. Yeah, it's like you're it's like you're constructing something, but it's really weak, like it's made out of like some grass or something. <laughs> but yeah, it, we see there again just the. We we get no benefit from from supporting Ukraine. Let's just let Russia do what they're gonna do, because um, we have inflation here and shit. God damn it! And whose fault is that? That's probably a whole. That's probably a whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> um. So then on January twenty fourth, he moves into what's really going on here, Tyler? Why are they doing this? So why are they doing this? That's a complex question. Hubris, stupidity, the damaged psychological makeup of our leaders, massive lobbying campaigns by Ukrainian politicians and American defense contractors. All of those factors play a role in this. No tragedy has a single cause. But what's not at all complicated is who benefits from our conflict with Russia. China benefits, period. The Chinese government is the only certain winner here. We can give you many examples to illustrate this, but consider the latest economic sanctions the White House has proposed against Russia. The Biden administration may use something called the foreign direct product rule to cut off Russia's supply of semiconductors made with American technology. This would, in the hopeful assessment of the Washington Post, quote, potentially deprive Russian citizens of some smartphones, tablets, and video game consoles. So depriving Russian citizens is good, we're told, because Russian citizens are bad. Okay. But what are the long-term effects on us? Russians are still going to have smartphones. They'll just get their components somewhere else, meaning from China. The Chinese have already pledged to help, and they have every incentive to make good on that promise. In other words, the Biden administration will have succeeded in continuing to drive our two main global rivals closer to a permanent alliance with one another. How does that help America? Well, it doesn't. Over time, it's dangerous, and not just militarily. Yeah, so at this point, I'm willing to label that the fifth plank of his Ukraine argument, which is... Taking a pro-Ukraine position in this will push Russia into an alliance with China. Um, and I wanted to pull that clip specifically because he's making the argument here not just that a hot war with Russia would do so, but that economic sanctions against Russia will also have that effect. So, yeah. Not a Russian asset, but we shouldn't do anything to impede Russia's desires to do whatever it wants. <laughs> Did China already agree to help Russia in the invasion of Ukraine? No. Um, okay. So what was he talking about? <laughs> uh, 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 so I, I didn't. I didn't actually look into this. Okay. So this may not be true. But what he's saying is that um, it, China has agreed to help provide Russia with um, electronics that these sanctions make it harder for them to get. Okay. Um, I don't actually know if they actually did that or not. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, the, uh, but yeah, it, China has been largely pretty silent on, on the whole situation. They have, um, encouraged Russia to seek diplomatic talks, but that's been the extent of their, uh, weighing in. You need to do your imperialism more quietly, Russia. <laughs> <laughs> it will be really interesting to see, uh, you know, if and when China, um, it invades invades Taiwan. 
Uh, how Tucker's going to cover that one? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I think it might be different. <laughs> and once again, I do not buy at all, and I don't know why anyone would buy, that us... Okay, if China and Russia are already aligned, why us siding with Russia makes them stop liking China? Yes. What does that do to to the Russia-China alliance? N- nothing. It doesn't do anything if we... <laughs> yeah, it, I, I, I don't... It, it just makes America align with those two countries, which is dumb and bad for everyone. <laughs> Yeah, it, th- th- this this position is nonsense. Because Russia and China are anti-democracy, and America is ostensibly not anti-democracy. <laughs> In theory. <laughs> we are less anti-democracy. <laughs> okay, I, I, I don't want to be one of those people that says America is equally bad. It's not. China and Russia are really anti-democratic. Not, don't approve. So then uh, we've got one more clip here from January 24th um, where Tucker just sort of sums up his his feelings on... Well, he, he wants to know, like, why are people saying I'm unpatriotic? Again, you have to ask yourself, why is it more, quote, patriotic to take one country's side than the other country's side? We have no obligation to defend any country, either one of these countries. Neither one is American. Neither one has the same interests as we do. Why is it wrong to support one and not the other? What's wrong is to support either one of them. Their interests are not the same as ours. They're very different. Max. How about because one of them is committing human rights abuses? He doesn't care. That kind of gives us an idea of what Tucker's argument on the subject has looked like up to this point. Um, America has no interest in Ukraine and we don't benefit from supporting them. If anything, we'd be better off supporting Russia because it's good to maintain a positive relationship with them uh, and not doing so steers them into the arms of China. To the extent that the U.S. is predisposed to supporting Ukraine, it is because Ukraine has bought off the Biden family. And that's really unfair because Russia has legitimate security concerns regarding Ukraine and we should take their concerns seriously. Okay, so all of those things are untrue. <laughs> Great. Um, what a what a solid foundation we have here. It, it was after this monologue in January, the day after this, uh, a New Jersey congressman named Tom Malinowski tweeted about how his office was getting calls from Tucker Carlson viewers who were upset that the, the U.S. wasn't siding with Russia in its threats to invade Ukraine and weren't supporting Putin's, quote, reasonable position. <sighs> um, okay. So at least by January, Tucker was having a legitimate effect on the discourse here. Uh, as he tends to, doesn't he? So then, skipping ahead a little bit, we're going to move to the week of the invasion. So this was the last week in February. Um, we're going to start off here on Monday, the 21st. At this point, it was pretty clear that something was going to happen with the Ukraine-Russia situation very soon. Like, things were looking very hot. Um, this is the 21st of February? Yes. Yeah, so this was just a few weeks ago. Yeah. Not even. So, coming down on February 21st here, Tucker uh, again gives the opening monologue to the, to an assessment of the situation. 
Well, speaking of tyranny, it is a weird experience, but probably not entirely unexpected, to be denounced as unpatriotic by people who despise our country. You see that a lot all of a sudden. The very same politicians who claim the United States is systemically racist, a white supremacist hellscape defined by slavery. In other words, an evil nation. Those people are always the first to claim that you hate America if you dare to disagree with them. That happened to us over the weekend. For months, we have criticized Joe Biden's lunatic push for war with Russia. Nothing about that makes sense. It's not foreign policy, it's self-harm, and it's a lie. Russia is not America's greatest international rival by every measure. That is, of course, China. Ukraine is not our vital ally. We have no legal or moral obligation to defend Ukraine's territorial integrity, even as we surrender our own to the rest of the world, letting millions in in a single year. Ukraine is not even a democracy, despite what Joe Biden endlessly claims. Ukraine is a corrupt Eastern European autocracy that has spent millions of dollars lobbying politicians in Washington and, by the way, made Joe Biden's family rich. Those are not Russian talking points. They are entirely true. And because they're true, no one in the administration is willing to debate or rebut them, not for a second. Instead, they just call you a traitor. Here's MSNBC. What does it yeah. say that you have people like Tucker Carlson and Fox News drumming up support for Putin. Yeah. I mean, look, it's not frustrating. It's sickening. Uh, it's un-American. This is the same person who went to Hungary uh, to interview Viktor Orban. But this is, you know, a continuation of the propaganda machine of Fox. So it's not surprising, but really, really disappointing. So now it is, quote, un-American to defend America's national interests. Shut up and support war with Russia. Yeah, so Tucker's really been out of shape over being called unpatriotic because of this. Well, yeah, because he handles criticism like an infant. So once again, your values are inconsistent, Tucker. If you care about anti-democratic regimes, then you should care about Russia more than Ukraine. But you yeah. don't because you're a Russian shill. That, that's a talking point we're going to hear a lot, that Ukraine isn't even a democracy despite what they tell you. Um, Russia is less democratic <laughs> than Ukraine. Oh my God, it's not complicated. <laughs> yeah, uh, a good rule of thumb, if the same guy has been in charge for 20 years, probably not a robust <laughs> democracy. Right? But uh, it, when Tucker says that Ukraine isn't even a democracy, the example he gives is the, um, the arrest of a Ukrainian opposition politician named uh, Viktor Medvedchuk. Probably pronouncing that wrong. I'm sure I would do no better. Medvedchuk uh, was placed under house arrest in Ukraine. He's the leader of the largest opposition party in the Ukrainian parliament. And so Tucker uses this example as, uh, well, in democracies, presidents don't arrest their political enemies. Um, but as you may have guessed, there's a but little... But you like Viktor Orban! <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! But yeah, as you might have guessed, there's a bit more to the story here. Um... So Medvedchuk is the Kremlin's most prominent ally in Ukraine. And um, the reason he was arrested was not because he opposes Zelensky, but because uh, he seems to have committed some treason. Oh, Ukraine cares about when their presidents or candidates commit treason? <laughs> to give you a little bit of an idea of just how much this guy loves Putin, Vladimir Putin is the godfather of Viktor Medvedchuk's daughter. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely no foreign influence in that parliament right now. As far as this treason case, what happened was, um, prior to 2014, Medvedchuk had secured licenses to explore some oil fields in Crimea, on the Crimean Peninsula. Okay. Um, and then, after the Russian annexation of Ukraine, Medvedchuk illegally transferred those licenses to Russian oligarchs. So he's been accused of enabling the plundering of Ukrainian resources by Russia. And so that's why he was put under house arrest, It's which Tucker will uh, never elaborate on, weirdly enough. I shouldn't have done all that shit talking about borders. Because... <laughs> 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 I'm not saying they're good, but under the current system, you can't do that. <laughs> right, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, <laughs> like, like... If if you're gonna be, like, okay, if Tucker is gonna be so worried about borders, that should be an issue. Because yes. imagine, Tucker, if some uh, Democratic politician had allowed China to drill in American oil fields illegally. Yeah. Tucker would be histrionic. <laughs> Or imagine if some, some like, Republican president, like, revealed classified military information to a known military threat of the United States or something. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a nightmare? <laughs> Good thing that'll never happen. Tucker has a little bit more, a few more grievances to air here on February 21st. That was Congressman David Cicilline of Rhode Island. Cicilline was particularly exercised that this show had sought... Uh, he, he's talking about the clip he displayed from MSNBC. Okay, okay. That was Congressman David Cicilline of Rhode Island. Cicilline was particularly exercised that this show had sought to interview Vladimir Putin. NBC News interviewed Vladimir Putin not long ago. That was completely fine. But our efforts to do the same are not allowed. They're, quote, un-American. Joe Biden's legal advisor, Larry Tribe, agreed with this. On Twitter, he accused us of, quote, treason, which is a former Harvard law professor he knows perfectly well, is a death penalty offense. Arrest the talk show host. So how seriously should we take this? Well, it's pretty clear where it's going. First, the NSA spied on our emails and texts. Now they're accusing us of treason. We got it. They want us to be quiet. But we won't be quiet, and not just because this is a news organization because we're Americans and we can talk to anyone we want. We can have any opinion we feel like having. That is not treason, it is not un-American, it's the whole point of America. It is our Bill of Rights distilled. So today we sent another letter to Vladimir Putin asking for an interview. We hope we get it. We also sent a message to the president of Ukraine. We would like that interview too. Now neither one of these men runs a democracy by traditional American standards, both of them are tyrants. But they're in the news, and we would love to talk to them. An interview is hardly an endorsement. In that same spirit, we've also reached out to Congressman Cicilline's office, inviting him on this show. David Cicilline is a former mafia lawyer who represents one of our most corrupt states. He is a repulsive man. Is it immoral to talk to him? No, it's not immoral. It would be interesting. And so we hope Congressman Cicilline accepts our invitation. Okay, so now that it's convenient, uh, Tucker's show is a news is a news station. Yeah, it's, he's he's Schrodinger's news show. Okay, I will I will give him that an interview is not necessarily support, but the way that you handle that interview determines whether or not yeah. you are tacitly or overtly supporting 
one or the other. And I have a feeling that an interview with Putin would go differently on Tucker's show than an interview with Zelensky right now. I think you might be right about that. Hey, <laughs> um, we agree. And also, Congressman David Cicilline is not a former mafia lawyer. That was his brother, <laughs> which <laughs> we, we talked about on the second episode of this show. So a throwback. Oh, wow. Okay, um, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> Tucker's just mad that Italians have earned white status. <laughs> That's what all this is, right? <laughs> but yeah, and and we of course of course you remember speaking of throwbacks, you remember when Tucker was seeking an interview with Vladimir Putin. Yes, I do. Um, because that was what prompted the NSA to read his emails, which Tucker was furious about for weeks. So then, it, 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 in the spirit of that, I uh, I did find this this which was interesting. So on RT, um, Russia Today, it's Russia's state-funded media network. I, I always think it's Russia Times. It's Russia Today. I know. The first time we ever talked about it on the show, I said Russia Times and somebody corrected me. I felt like an idiot. Yeah. And I, I think I, I looked it up a while ago. I think it's one of those weird, like, it used to be Russia Today and now it's just RT. Like, TLC used to be the learning channel and it's yeah. just TLC now, like, le- like legally. <laughs> uh, fun fact, recently on RT, and this is reported by the Daily Beast. So, um, because I'm sure people have, a lot of people have heard by now, RT has been using uh, video clips from Tucker Carlson tonight. They're just playing unedited Tucker monologues with Russian subtitles. <sighs> um, in particular, they're using his interviews with uh, retired Army Colonel Doug McGregor, as well as former Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard. Who, Tulsi Gabbard has been all over Tucker's show in these last two weeks. She's on almost every day. But yeah, uh, in, in one of those segments, after playing an interview on a, a, after RT replayed an interview from Tucker Carlson tonight with, between Tucker and Doug McGregor, um, where they argued that Russia has a, a legitimate national security interest in Ukraine. So then, after replaying this interview, RT's editor in chief, Margarita Simonian, uh, gushed about Carlson and called him wonderful. She said that he was quote. The most popular host in the United States, and perhaps the only one who is reasonable, has the biggest audience, who understands everything the way it should be understood. She mentioned that Carlson was, quote, dreaming of interviewing Vladimir Putin, simply dreaming about it, and then said, it's not within my purview, but if anyone could make it happen, it would be amazing. So, overt Russian propaganda network RT is like, man, this Tucker guy sure is great. I'm sure part of it is this the translation, but that phrasing of he understands everything exactly as it should be understood is so creepy to me. Yeah. Very, <laughs> I, I know I just said they're a propaganda network, but like very, very like <laughs> yeah. he believes in the will of the state. <laughs> yeah, so that was uh, it, that was Tucker's coverage on the 21st. Um, so pretty much the a similar flavor to what we'd been seeing. Um. Tuesday, he comes in with uh, another Ukraine monologue. This one's centered around uh, his dream interview. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. Since the day that Donald Trump became president, Democrats in Washington have told you you have a patriotic duty to hate Vladimir Putin. It's not a suggestion, it's a mandate. Anything less than hatred for Putin is treason. Many Americans have obeyed this directive. They now dutifully hate Vladimir Putin. Maybe you're one of them. Hating Putin has become the central purpose of America's foreign policy. It's the main thing that we talk about. Entire cable channels are now devoted to it. Very soon, 
that hatred of Vladimir Putin could bring the United States into a conflict in Eastern Europe. Before that happens, it might be worth asking yourself, since it is getting pretty serious, what is this really about? Why do I hate Putin so much? Has Putin ever called me a racist? Has he threatened to get me fired for disagreeing with him? Has he shipped every middle-class job in my town to Russia? Did he manufacture a worldwide pandemic that wrecked my business and kept me indoors for two years? Is he teaching my children to embrace racial discrimination? Is he making fentanyl? Is he trying to snuff out Christianity? Does he eat dogs? These are fair questions, and the answer to all of them is no. Vladimir Putin didn't do any of that. So why does permanent Washington hate him so much? So, as long as you don't eat dogs, I guess you're fine by Tucker. Yeah, and that, what? And 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 that's that's just a a, a racist thing. It's like the yeah, it, it's I, it's I, the Chinese thing. Most of our audience probably doesn't need to be told that dogs are not like a delicacy served up in China for every meal. No, to be fair, he's right. Vladimir Putin has never called me a racist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I was gonna say he got he got way more serious at the end, but I was gonna say like we're supposed to hate people because they call us racist. Like, what a fucking first world problem, <laughs> you little baby. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's the thesis of the monologue on the twenty second. The Tucker really wants you to ask yourself, why do I hate Vladimir Putin? The administration assures us this has nothing at all to do with repaying Joe Biden's personal debts to Ukrainian oligarchs. Not at all. It's completely and totally unrelated. The point here is to defend democracy. Not that Ukraine is a democracy. It is not a democracy. Ukraine's president has arrested his main political opponent. He has shut down newspapers and television stations that have dared to criticize him. So in American terms, you would call Ukraine a tyranny. But Joe Biden likes Ukraine, so Putin bad war good. How will this conflict affect you? It will affect you quite a bit, actually. Energy prices in the United States are about to go way up. And that means that everything you buy will become much more expensive. From the food you eat, to the car you drive, to tickets you need to take your family on vacation this summer, assuming you can still afford vacation by then. You're about to become measurably poor. That's not a guess. Joe Biden has admitted this. On the other hand, you're going to win an important moral victory against dastardly old Vladimir Putin, who is much, much worse than Justin Trudeau, just so you know. So you can feel good about that because, because, let's see, come to think of it, why would you feel good about that? It seems like a pretty terrible deal for you and for the United States. Hunter Biden gets a million dollars a year from Ukraine, but you can no longer afford to go out to dinner. That's not a bargain. Let's just take care of the factual stuff right off the top. Uh, Hunter Biden has not been receiving any money from any Ukrainian entity since 2019. And you said he made $50,000 a month, which is like half of that a year? Half of a million dollars a year? You, uh, Zelensky ar arresting his political rivals. That was Viktor Medvedchuk. Um, Tucker also said that they've uh, Ukraine has shut down opposition media networks. That's referring to... Um, Three, three, three television channels that were controlled by Medvedchuk. So, so Russia is the clear moral uh, paragon here. As long as you omit all of the anti-democratic things that Putin does too. <laughs> yeah. I inflation was happening before this. I don't know. I'm having the wrong conversation. 
he's saying he's saying that siding with with Russia is the cause of the inflation, but we're not doing that. Siding against Russia. Siding against Russia is the cause of of inflation. Yeah. But like inflation was happening before and inflation seems to be caused by companies just charging you more arbitrarily, not because we we sent some weapons to Ukraine, which has been the extent of our involvement. And then at this point, he's going to introduce a thread that we will see pay off spectacularly later. Ooh. So what are we missing here? What we're missing is the big picture. And that's why Joe Biden has dispatched Kamala Harris to explain that picture to us. Kamala Harris's old job was to open America's border. She did that. Her new job is to keep Ukraine's borders closed. Kamala Harris was in Europe the other day to explain the whole thing. She began with a history lesson, letting the European peoples know about their recent past, which she assumes they've forgotten since so few of them speak English. She opened with the traditional salutation, listen, guys, because that's the way real historians and statespeople talk. Watch Kamala educate. I mean, listen, guys, we're talking about the potential for war in Europe. I mean, let's really take a moment to understand the significance of what we're talking about. It's been over 70 years. And through those 70 years, as I mentioned yesterday, there has been peace and security. We are talking about the real possibility of war in Europe. Listen, guys, you may be Europeans who live in Europe, but you don't fully understand the ramifications of war in Europe. That's your problem. The thing about Europe, you've had peace and security for more than 70 years. Kamala Harris just told the Europeans that. And that, by the way, is true if you don't count the breakup of Yugoslavia, which caused hundreds of thousands of deaths in the 1990s, or the Soviet occupation of half of the landmass, which amounted to the enslavement of hundreds of millions. But apart from that, Mrs. Lincoln, it's all been peace and security in Europe until now. Now, the Soviets were fine. Vladimir Putin is bad. What do we do about that? Kamala Harris explained that, too. Watch. And the allied relationship is such that we have agreed that the deterrence effect of these sanctions is still a meaningful one, especially because, remember also, we still sincerely hope that there is a diplomatic path out of this moment. And within the context then of the fact that that window is still opening, although open, although it is absolutely narrowing, but within the context of a diplomatic path still being open, the deterrence effect we believe has merit. Got that? Take a breath and let it sink in. Here it is again. Quote, we have agreed that the deterrence effect of these sanctions is still a meaningful one, especially because, remember also, we still sincerely hope that there is a diplomatic path out of this moment. And within the context then of the fact that the window is still opening, still open, although it is absolutely narrowing, but within the context of a diplomatic path still being open, the deterrence effect we believe has merit. Well, of course it has merit. The only question is, what the hell are you talking about? And the answer is Kamala Harris has no real idea what she's talking about. She can't even point to the direction of what she's talking about. Her mouth opens and predigested chunks of language come tumbling out in no particular order. It's soothing to listen to until you try to understand what it means. As Kamala Harris told us just last month, quote, it is time for us to do what we have been doing. And that time is every day. To which we'd respond, that's right, Ms. Vice President person. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Learn it. Love it. Live it. And while you're at it, eat, pray, love. You can just imagine Vladimir Putin's reaction to all of this when an aide drops a translated transcript of Kamala Harris's remarks on his desk. 
The Slavic mind is a hall of mirrors. It sees traps at every intersection. Clearly, Kamala Harris must be setting some sort of trap for the Russians here. Her words don't make sense, but she can't possibly be dim and childish. America is a superpower. It would never put a senile man and an imbecile in charge of the country. On the other hand, maybe so. What was that? <laughs> yeah, and I, 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 I want part of the reason I wanted to make sure I kept that in is because I think it's important to be fair to Tucker. The very few times he does kind of make me laugh, and I did snicker at the eat, pray, love line. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Tucker listens to Kamala's first three words. And says, this dumb bitch doesn't talk like a historical PhD paper. So we shouldn't listen to her. Pretty much, yeah. And then goes on to say that this woman is thirsty for the blood of people because she doesn't, she's lying about the deaths of people in Eastern Europe. But then he unpauses, and she proceeds to say, the goal is to not have bloody war. Just, like, <laughs> seconds, seconds afterwards. Yeah. And then he loses his mind, and then says, eat, pray, love. <laughs> that is a better summation than I could have given for, for what just happened. I'm, <laughs> I'm so confused. He's just, like... Oh shit, she just went I should have listened to this before I went on live TV in front of tens of millions of people. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I better I better distract. And then he throws a <laughs> rhetorical smoke bomb. <laughs> yeah, we can we can call this a subplank of the of his Ukraine argument, which is Kamala Harris is dumb. And we will re we will revisit that plank at the end. I don't know if that's a Russian plank. I think he just hates women. Yeah, that's like, fair. I is, mean, is it just me or is he like more vitriolic with female Democrats than, than absolutely? Men? Yeah, and like Kamala Harris seems to get him very worked up every time he talks about her. It's like particularly jilted and angry. Yeah, and like it, it's brown women in particular. He doesn't like Kamala, and he always calls calls AOC by the wrong name. Um, and we 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 don't have room for it here, but I I uh, our next mini episode is going to revolve around his coverage of Katanji Brown Jackson. Um, the Supreme Court nominee, so we'll see more of that there for sure. And and he called Ilhan Omar incestuous. Um, yes, yeah, lots of uh, lots of brown women hate. Um, yeah, Tucker yeah. Tuck Tucker's relationship with women of color is not uh, not very respectable. Are we surprised? No. And then this is our last uh, pre-invasion clip. Um, Tucker wants us to think about what's really important in the midst of all this, Tyler. So let's put aside the question of why you would ever want to shut down any energy pipeline anywhere. Uh, and th this is, he's talking about shutting down the Nord Stream 2 pipeline as part of sanctions against Russia. Okay. So let's put aside the question of why you would ever want to shut down any energy pipeline anywhere ever, especially now. Crude oil is near nearing $100 a barrel. It's the highest price since 2014. 
That's not a small thing because you need energy to live. It's not negotiable. So how does having less energy help the United States? Joe Biden didn't even hint at an answer to that. He didn't answer any questions. He ran away the second he had finished reading the script. Back in real life, every person knows nothing will tank our economy faster than cutting off the supply of fossil fuels. Because despite what you may have heard from noted energy experts like Sandy Cortez, a country of 340 million people can't run on windmills and solar panels. And even if we had enough of those, which we don't, we don't have the transmission lines to get that power to your house. And we won't for a long time. So that's all a lie. But don't worry, says Kamala Harris. The administration has ways of fixing the spike in energy prices. They've got it under control because it turns out Kamala Harris is secretly in charge of global energy markets. No, just kidding. Harris has no idea what a barrel of oil costs. She doesn't know how natural gas is measured. What she knows about is diversity, and that's pretty much it. Though she does sense that everything is about to get a lot more expensive for you. And so to warn you, she mentioned it today. The president has already said Americans will be facing some economic fallout or some hardships. Can you explain to Americans what exactly will they face if, if this happens? Sure. As the president talked about in his speech, um, we are aware that, again, when America stands for her principles and all of the things that we hold dear, um, it requires sometimes for, for us to put ourselves out there in a way that maybe we will incur some cost. And in this situation um, that may relate to energy costs, for example. So what are the principles we're defending here? We're defending a regime that has arrested their main rival and shut down opposition media. What principles at stake here, apart from rewarding the Biden family's patron? But at least she's honest enough to say what's happening in Eastern Europe, quote, may relate to energy costs. That's a euphemism for good luck filling your truck this August. Does that bother Kamala Harris? Maybe it does in the short term. Voters aren't going to like it in November. Their party will be punished. But they're doing it anyway. They're shutting down domestic energy pipelines here. They're picking a fight with Europe's biggest gas supplier. So maybe there's something bigger at work here. Maybe they're thinking long term. Maybe they're not against rising oil and gas prices. Maybe they're for them. Maybe expensive energy would be good for the many renewable deals their friends and donors are invested in. We don't know the answer. We do know that all of us are about to suffer. So we hope that hating Vladimir Putin was worth it. Okay, so it's more like deep state conspiracism, I guess. Yeah, everything is always... A conspiratorial. It's like, well, they're all trying to get rich off of these renewable energy contracts to screw you over. Yeah. Um, he mentioned that it was immoral to sanction energy in Russia because people need energy to live. Right? Yes. I heard that correctly. Okay. Something else people need to live is to not get shot. <laughs> In a war zone. <laughs> yeah, uh, something that really helps me live is not being in a building that gets bombed. Or, or you know, like, burned down or filled with chlorine. Um, and if, sanction if sanctioning Russia's energy prevents a war and prevents people from getting shot, um, that would be good. That would be a good thing. So pretending that, like, cutting off energy is always immoral... Uh, is immoral itself like a truly like a serpent eating its own tail <laughs> and I, I will say like 
to the extent that the pain of sanctions are felt by the Russian people, that's that's not good. That does suck. Yes, uh, agree. Because people people are not their governments, and it is not the citizenry of Russia that is at fault here. No, it, like the people in Russia who are protesting this war, that that takes tremendous courage because that is an actual like risky thing for them to do. Yes, it is. And I have a lot of admiration for anybody anybody doing that. Yes. Um, Thank you, comrades. Just to be absolutely clear on where we stand on that point. Yeah, yeah. And I I don't want to come across as, like, bloodthirsty for Russian citizens who have no say in whether or not their country goes to war. Um, but I would rather have that than have hundreds of thousands of people die uh, in an, a hot war. Yeah, like, the, um, the, the whole thing is bad. Like, there's not... Yes. Yeah. There's not a good dimension to an invasion, you know? There's just a less bad outcome. There's bad and less bad, and that's it. That's all we got. Yeah, so then I I, I don't have any clips from Wednesday because it's more of the same. Um, so then now we are to the invasion. Um, between the 23rd, between Tucker's show on the 23rd and the 24th, Russia invaded Ukraine. Um, so now when Tucker comes into the studio on Thursday, he has to deal with this new reality. And it was really interesting to see this play out. I will say that for the most part, I'm uh, I'm okay with most of Tucker's coverage on Thursday. Um, the entire show is about uh, the about happenings in Ukraine, and for most of it, Tucker is just talking to um, reporters who are on the ground there and not really providing any input on his own. I think he doesn't know what to do because, as we'll see. I think he was genuinely caught off guard by this. I think he bought the Kremlin's bullshit, and I don't think he thought that Putin was going to invade. Um, hmm. So at this point, he hasn't decided how he's going to spin it yet, and so he's not doing a ton of spinning. Um, so there, there are still a couple of problems that we'll, we'll see uh, in a few of these clips I have here. Alrighty. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson. Tonight, Russia invaded Ukraine last night. As you know, Russian troops completely overwhelmed the country's air defenses in just hours. They moved faster and much more aggressively than anyone, including the U.S. State Department and certainly this show, ever anticipated. The fighting continues as we speak. U.S. officials say they believe Ukraine's capital could fall to Russian forces at any time. The casualty numbers we're getting at this hour seem puzzlingly low given the scope of the invasion. 137 dead is the number we just have, though we should tell you that much of what you hear at the beginning of a conflict like this later turns out to be mistaken. It really is as muddy as they say. So we'll be as careful as we can in telling you what we know. With that in mind, we want to begin tonight as close as possible to the center of the story. Our Lucas Tomlinson joins us now from Ukraine. Yes, so that's what most of the show sounds like. And I think as by Tucker's standards, that is more or less responsible. I I would push back against um he said oh no one knew that it was coming to this yeah. we everyone except you knew it was coming to this you piece of shit yes yeah. uh people have been saying that this was going to go bad for a while you just yep. just like no uh putin said he wasn't gonna <laughs> why would putin lie to me <laughs> like putin's just going to lie to me for no reason bullshit <laughs> He's a respectable guy, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, 
Tucker does want to be clear on Thursday, though, who's actually to blame here? Because it's totally not me, guys. It is not me. No, of course not. So what's happening in Ukraine, whatever its scale, and it's not totally clear right now, but whatever it is, it's a tragedy because war always is a tragedy. And the closer you get to it, the more horrifying it seems. It's the ugliest thing that men do ever. Vladimir Putin started this war. So whatever the context of the decision that he made, he did it. He fired the first shots. He is to blame for what we're seeing tonight in Ukraine. Yeah, so he's still hedging his bets a little when he says whatever the context, he's implying there is context that might yeah. alleviate this, but um given he's playing it safer <laughs> than he has been. Yeah. G- given the cover- given the the demeanor in his coverage that we've seen so far, like that that is a, a sharp criticism of Putin by Tucker's standards. Yes, so it is. I I will accept it. Yep. And then he, he Tucker wants us to be focused on how should America respond to this and what things should we keep top of mind as we formulate that response? The question is, once we've established that, and it's obvious, how should the United States respond to what he has done? So within minutes of the outbreak of the war last night, the usual liars on television began leveraging this tragedy for partisan political gain. If you ever watch the aftermath of a school shooting, you're familiar with how they behave. It's contemptible. But we're going to ignore it tonight because there is too much else going on that actually matters. And the main thing that matters in any crisis is deciding what's most important, creating a hierarchy of concern. So until last night, the main purpose of our foreign policy was to prevent Russia from invading Ukraine. Obviously, that failed. At some point, we should figure out why. But what's our top goal now? Well, there's several of them. Here are the first three. First and most obviously, avoid a full-scale war with a nuclear-armed adversary. And to be fair, very few people in Washington want anything like that. War with Russia is so obviously a bad idea. But that doesn't mean we won't have one. Wars often break out accidentally or more often incrementally. Things escalate and the next thing you know, you've got Verdun with many thousands dead. Now that shooting has started in Ukraine, it is entirely possible, no matter what they assure you, that Americans could wind up getting hurt in Eastern Europe. We should prevent that, but preventing it will require wisdom and farsightedness and emotional control, all of which are never in abundant supply in Washington, and especially now that everyone is justifiably upset. Again, what Russia has done is awful, but we could still make it worse. Mark Warner, the head of the Senate Intelligence Committee, just announced that Russia could be potentially close to triggering what's known as Article 5 of the NATO alliance. That's a collective defense principle. So if Russia were to launch a cyber attack on Ukraine, Warner explained, an attack that affects nearby NATO members like Poland or Lithuania, then possibly every NATO country, including ours, the United States, would be obligated to declare war on Russia. Here he is explaining. So this, uh, this concern about a cyber, a cyber attack affecting nearby NATO members um, triggering Article 5, that is a, a real concern. The, um, from what I can gather, it seems more like the the response trigger would be like a counter cyber attack. But you know, once you're in those patterns of escalation, then things can escalate. So like, yeah. it, it, it it it's worth being aware of. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to um say fuck you tucker for saying sometimes wars are started accidentally are you fucking kidding me right now yeah putin accidentally lined tanks up across the entire russia ukraine border fuck you 
Yeah. Russian agent. Um, it's worse. He's not even he's not even paid to say the horrible shit he says. He just thinks it's right. That's so much worse to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he he's the worst. I mean, March 10th will be the 1 year anniversary of the show and uh I think if anything, we have we have thoroughly cataloged that Tucker is in fact the worst. This dude sucks. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, and I always underestimate how much worse he gets every time. It's like maybe he'll maybe he'll chill. Nope, never happens. What I, what I will say is that I think what he was trying to trying to imply there was that the United States could end up in a hot war with Russia accidentally if we're not cautious about how we proceed with the next steps. Okay. Um, I'll buy that. I will, I will give him that. But he, he, he's building this, this hierarchy of concern here. So concern number one for Tucker, cyber attacks. Yes. Um, and, uh, now that only applies against NATO countries. So if they cyber attack Ukraine, nothing would happen. Yeah. It's if they launched a cyber attack against Ukraine and then a defected infrastructure in say Poland or Lithuania, then that could be a problem. Okay. Um, so then, uh, concern number two, uh, energy. So that's the first goal, not making a terrible thing much, much worse. Here's the second goal. Keep the energy flowing. Cheap energy. We take it for granted, but it is the basis of all we have. No energy, no civilization. Unfortunately, a huge percentage of Europe's energy now comes from Russia and Ukraine. The European Union relies on Russia for roughly 40% of its natural gas. In Germany, which is one of the biggest economies in the world, that percentage is over half. Most of its energy in the form of natural gas comes from Russia and Ukraine. So you don't hear that very often on television. This debate is framed exclusively in moral terms. And those are important. We shouldn't ignore them. But they're not the only terms we should consider. The fact is that Vladimir Putin has the power to send Europe, and for that matter, potentially the United States, into an economic depression. Putin has the power to turn off the lights. So where did Vladimir Putin get this power? Well, there are a lot of reasons, but a big reason is the climate people gave him this power. Thanks to pressure from zealots like John Kerry, Europe has been shutting down nuclear power plants for years. So, you know, those disgusting people who might use a, a tragedy like this to make political points. <laughs> I can't believe you can call John Kerry a zealot with a straight face. I know. <laughs> like, is there a more boring man? Anyway, what what does this have to do with Germany has used Germany ceased using nuclear power in favor of fossil fuels, so it's Germany's fault? Yeah, so now they're reliant on Russian gas. Uh and then um so our, our our first two concerns are avoiding a war and maintaining our energy supply. Um, the third concern is uh, maintaining the the supremacy of the U.S. dollar. And finally, a topic no one ever brings up: we must protect the U.S. dollar. America's power derives from its wealth. Rich countries get to do what they want. Poor countries must obey their masters, or they get invaded. We just saw that happen. That is the unchanging rule. In this country, control of the U.S. dollar is the key to our wealth. Yeah, so that's kind of fucked up, that the reason Ukraine got invaded is because they're poor. 
So his his three points are don't be hasty and start nuclear war. And the other two are both don't make things more expensive for me. Yep, that's uh that that's that's where that's where our concern should lie here. Okay. So conspicuously absent is prevent the deaths of innocent people. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that that's not under hierarchy of concern. No. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> Fuck's sake. So then Friday, uh when Friday's show starts, he's had a little bit more time to figure out, okay, how am I gonna spend this thing? He's still being fairly restrained, but there there's a bit more there's a bit more meat on Friday. Um starting with this. Also tonight, we are hearing reports of new attacks across Ukraine, including in the capital city at this hour. We'll, of course, be monitoring those and tell you when we learn more. But first on last night's show, we tried to bring you as straightforward an analysis as we could of the invasion of Ukraine. It was then in progress. It still is. The war at that point was less than 24 hours old, and it seemed disrespectful and wrong to use the deaths of people on the ground as a partisan cudgel. War is horrifying, of course, but it's also a grave and profound thing. You ought to stand back in awe for a moment before you start drawing convenient conclusions from the suffering you see. Death is a mystery. Acknowledge that. That's how we feel. Joe Biden's allies in the media do not feel that way. They use the opportunity to attack their political opponents immediately, as they always do. They have no restraint and no shame. We're grateful not to be them. So that was last night. Tonight, it's fair to note the obvious. The invasion of Ukraine is a humiliating defeat for Joe Biden. He's our leader. He staked this country's reputation, billions of dollars, and the full force of the U.S. government on preventing Vladimir Putin from invading Ukraine. Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine anyway. And America is diminished by that. It's not the first time Joe Biden has done something like this. Less than six months ago, Biden oversaw an almost indescribably chaotic withdrawal from Afghanistan. He left American citizens behind. He armed the Taliban with advanced weapon systems on the way out. It could not have been worse. So here you have two historic foreign policy debacles in under a year. Is there a precedent for that? What's the message of it? Well, weakness, obviously, Republicans often say that, but as usual, don't go far enough. Weakness? Well, North Korea is weak. They literally have famines. People starve to death in North Korea. That's weakness. But they're still a nation we have to contend with because they bite. A venomous spider is weak. You can crush it, but you're still afraid of it because it bites. We do not bite. And that's the problem. We're not simply weak. The United States government under Joe Biden is ridiculous. It's pompous. It's self-involved. It's long-winded and fatuous. It's not so different from the fading old man who leads it. There's no hiding this. The rest of the world sees it clearly. So do many Americans. If watching the invasion of Ukraine this week made you feel a little sick, this is probably why. Oh, that's why. Okay. So it took Tucker three days to come up with, actually, it's all Joe Biden's fault. (laughs) Are you fucking kidding me right now? (laughs) Can I apply this logic to, like, police officers? If a if if someone gets shot in the street, um, and the cop doesn't get there in time, uh, it's the cop's fault for not for not preventing uh, that guy from getting shot. Well, so he obviously. should go to jail. 
I'm sure Tucker would be 100% on board with that system because there's no flaws in that logic whatsoever. <laughs> oh my god. And it's it's so absurd. Like we we at the beginning of this episode, we went back to November. And and as far back as November, Tucker was saying we shouldn't be involved in this at all. Let Putin do what Putin's going to do. He should take all the Europe for all we care. Mm-hmm. Now, Why should we care about human lives in a country that has different borders from ours? Now, now that the winds have changed, the problem is that America doesn't bite. We should have been more forceful in trying to prevent Putin from invading, and the fact that we weren't more forceful is is Biden's failure. This is ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. It's it's like this is a different person from like two days ago seriously (laughs) oh my god he can just say anything he wants and nothing matters nothing ever matters (laughs) oh okay all right and we're 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 gonna see a lot of him just uh hoping we can all forget about all that putin is reasonable stuff he was doing for a couple months um but (laughs) speaking of uh unreasonable people though we do get a visit here from a friend we haven't seen in a little bit. Swear to God. So what's interesting, as you watch people like the man we just interviewed flee the capital city of Ukraine, is how quickly huge parts of that country seem to fall in the face of the Russian invasion. That makes you wonder, where were its defenders? Not just within Ukraine, but within the United States. So people you've been watching on television for years now have been encouraging conflict in Ukraine, of course and saying that we need to go all out to defend it. David Frum, the Canadian who's everywhere, telling us you're a traitor if you're not willing to defend Ukraine. He's been saying that from the safety of his... Uh, it, he, he has footage rolling from the, the fighting in Ukraine right now, so that's like the... The showing. Okay, yeah. all right. Kitchen. So where was David Frum when this war broke out? Where was Adam Kinzinger? Where was Liz Cheney? Why weren't they defending Ukraine? Why are they only pushing your kids to do it? That's a completely fair question. It's been a fair question in many conflicts they have encouraged over the years from Iraq to the present. And so we thought we would ask that question to Pedro Gonzalez, who has been watching this carefully too, as the associate editor of Chronicles magazine. Pedro, thanks for coming. Oh, thank God. It's only Pedro Gonzalez. (laughs) Good thing Pedro Gonzalez is here to clear things up. Yeah. It has been a minute, Pedro. Where you been, dog? Yeah, he, uh, he, when we first met Pedro, he was just writing for for uh, Chronicles and American Renaissance. Now he's like an editor in chief there, so I think he probably has less time to show up on Tucker's show. Okay, um, but he, it, it was worth popping up tonight to inject a little bit of fash into the discourse. Yeah, well, more fash. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any predictions for Pedro's take on this? Uh, I'm I'm horrible at predictions, but um. Fascists hate um, when people, when countries don't do things because they're stymied by, um, like, bureaucracy and democracy. They want, an, uh, they want an authoritarian who will go in and fix everything. So they're going to be mad that, that's my guess, uh, Pedro's mad that Biden didn't just step up and... Go fucking ham on the Ukraine Russia conflict and put it put it all to bed before Russia invaded. That's my prediction. So here's the thing. I think you're right. <laughs> if I'm understanding what the fuck he's about to say, but I'm not positive I am. Oh, okay. All right. So <laughs> So there wasn't a right answer. It's just <laughs> he's just batshit. So 
you know, I don't want to get personal about it, but since David Frum comes to this country, makes it much worse, and then starts denouncing Americans as traitors to our country, not his, for not supporting these various conflicts, why wasn't he in Ukraine when this happened to defend the Ukrainians? It's a very good question. But I want to start by saying that I feel really deeply sorry for the Ukrainians because yeah. this tragedy is precisely the consequence of a liberal elite that has faced zero accountability. They bought into these false hopes sold by people like David Frum, and it's getting them killed. And of course, like you pointed out, David Frum insists that anybody who disagrees with the establishment's pro-war consensus is actually a Nazi. He tweeted that, and then he deleted it. Yeah. But you'll never find Frum on the front lines of combat, because like many war hawks at National Review, The Bulwark, and elsewhere, David Frum is a coward. And I would be happy to buy him a ticket to Ukraine and put a rifle in his hands. But I think Frum is just the surface level problem here. To understand how little accountability there is on the entire level of the American elite, you have to know that this war actually goes all the way back to the Clinton administration, which reneged on its promises of eastward expansion and turned NATO into a tool of liberal imperialism, the kind of stuff that people like David Frum cheer on. And then you have Obama comes along. He topples Ukraine's democratically elected government in 2014 and installs a rapidly anti-Russian one, cultivated by Obama top diplomat Victoria Nuland. Again, this is the kind of stuff that David Frum and Bill Kristol, they all love this, although, like you said, they never participate in any of the action. Nuland, again, zero consequences. She was a player in the Russiagate scandal, and she's currently serving under Biden at the State Department. And all of these same people are now trying to browbeat Americans into another war. But they have lies in their mouths and blood on their hands for Ukraine, for Afghanistan, for Iraq, and more. Their legacy, people like Frum, people like Crystal, people like Nolan, their legacy is civilian deaths, it's troop deaths, it's veteran suicides, it's destabilized countries, it's destroyed cultures. Their liberal internationalism got us into this mess, and not one more person should die to it. But they're welcome to go to the front lines if they want. And, and I think your point that the Ukrainians really suffer. I mean, a lot of people have died because of this, because they thought that yes. maybe David Frum and Adam Kinzinger would come to their aid. And of course, they yeah. haven't because they never do. Pedro Gonzalez, I appreciate yeah. that analysis. Thank you very much. Thank you. That is like the lowest level bad faith criticism ever. Yeah. I remember Pedro Gonzalez being much more convincing last time we heard from him. Yeah, that was a weak showing from Pedro. His, his argument is that you can't be morally in favor of military intervention unless you literally sign up to join the military. Yeah, no, that, that, that that's absurd and obviously uh, not, not like a sincere argument. Yeah. Um, I, I also, I think to to his broader point about like liberal internationalism i think what he's getting at is the invasion is nato's fault um yeah that was the impression i got which i think is the opposite of the case like taking the words he said i don't know what his alternative is cuz like it, is i think so well th there probably isn't an alternative right he they they're like um they were saying that 
we shouldn't go to war. Or no, they were saying we should, but then now that we have, they, they're they being pointed out as liars, so they have to move to a different thing. It's like, oh, well, if these people think we just, they should go to war, then they should go. Because I think part of what he's trying to say is that the threat of NATO expansion is enough of a concern for Vladimir Putin that he had to invade. But also, Ukraine felt secure because they believed liberal democracies would protect them. Um, but liberal democracies weren't actually strong enough to protect them. So, okay, but okay, so we should oppose <laughs> liberal Democrats because, um, which is not the same as the Democratic Party, but like countries that are liberal democracies, we should oppose liberal democracies because they failed to prevent Russia from invading. Yes, so. But then what that has to mean is that the better alternative is, like, illiberal autocracies, which... Is what Russia is. Yeah, so then I don't understand how Russia is the bad guy in his framework. <laughs> uh, Very confusing. So yes. The, like, if he has a cogent point, the only thing he can mean is that Ukraine should be part of Russia, and the reason they have to suffer now is because, like, liberal democracies and NATO convinced them that they didn't have to be. I guess? But yeah, like, I don't know. I'm, re like, I'm it's, real it's, confused. It's, it's opaque enough that I'm not confident that's, that that's what he's saying. I just... That's the only thing I can think of for him to be saying that makes sense from the words he said. Yeah, and, like, <laughs> I you know, I have a little bit of baggage, because I, I this is one of the only episodes I remember doing is that Pedro Gonzalez interview, because I was terrified. But, like, he's just an overt, like, Christian nationalist fascist. So, like, he opposes liberal democracy. So I, he, I assume he's trying to sow doubt in the democratic system. But then he's also siding against Russia. So I, I, it's weird. It is weird. See, every time Pedro Gonzalez comes on, we get so confused. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. <laughs> um... And then, if only they could like say their points clearly without being <laughs> banned from television. God, man! And if you thought Pedro was a throwback to to classic tuckered out content, here's a fucking throwback. This is new video taken from outside Kiev just a moment ago. Of course, well, Russia was planning to do this, planning its invasion of Ukraine. The Biden administration wasn't simply weak, as Republicans are telling you, it was ridiculous and subversive. Its Pentagon was focused on something called white rage. The Biden administration itself, the White House, was concerned about maternity flight suits. Watch. Yep. Maternity flight suits are back. Oh, God. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah, he plays that clip from like a year ago of Biden talking about the maternity flight suits for some reason. Jesus Christ. Um, so I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play that clip again. We've heard it before. It's over a year old, and it's irrelevant to anything currently being discussed, or has ever been discussed. <laughs> but, um, but then this is where this is where this episode really started to fall apart for me. So the whole point of this, of course, was not to be inclusive, but to degrade and humiliate the United States military, and they've certainly done that. And now we're seeing the consequences of it. It's all very sad. It's reversible, though. Take heart. Dan Holloway is the host of the Drinking Bros podcast, and we are happy to have him join us tonight. 
to assess. Dan, it does seem like they've made the United States weaker on purpose and certainly more ridiculous on purpose. You know who I need to talk to in a time like this? (laughs) The host of the Drinking Bros podcast. (laughs) (sighs) I'm sure he'll have some very important insights on this complicated issue. Yeah, I, I, I... Honestly, I skipped this fucking interview. I was like, I don't care. I don't like. I, if this is where we're at, the day after an invasion, is you need to, you need to bring a drinking bros guy to talk about maternity flight seats degrading our military. I don't care. I'm yep. <laughs> um, this is not important to the discourse right now. So then, nothing else of con- of consequence really happens on Friday. But I do have one more clip from the very end. Um. Tucker talks to this guy, I can't remember his name, but he he's a former New York comptroller, and he, he was born in Ukraine, he still has family in Ukraine. Um, he's been on the show before, and my guess is he like contacted the, the show and was like, hey, uh, I have connections to Ukraine, I can come on again and talk about this, so they booked him. And he mostly goes on and talks about how, you know, Russia didn't invade Ukraine while Donald Trump was president. Um, <laughs> which is silly. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, for, for one thing, because Trump has been very clear, he's totally cool <laughs> with Russia invading Ukraine. Yeah. Um, but, uh, at the Also, e- I think this is against the best efforts of Russia to maintain Trump's presidency for as long as possible. That's like, oh shit, I guess we're going to have to invade Ukraine with the Biden presidency now. <laughs> That's probably, that was probably a conversation had in Vladimir Putin's office. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, at at the end, at, at the very end of this conversation, there is a weird moment from Tucker. And because remember in in the lead up to the Pedro Gonzalez thing, Tucker was complaining about David Frum. Um, he was one of his favorite neocon targets. And so I'm curious to hear what you think this comment from Tucker means on the tail end of this. All right. It, it does feel like the worst place to be is on the friend list of this administration. I mean, it, it's, its enemies may get hurt, but it's they love Baltimore, but Baltimore gets worse every year. They love Ukraine. I mean, it's, you don't really want to be one of their friends, it seems like. It's, it's heartbreaking, and, and you're 100% right, because a lot of people within our Ukrainian community, whether it's in Buffalo, Rochester, or across America, know this was preventable. And again, people can say what they want about President Trump not liking him, but Russia did not invade Ukraine when he was president. And we have a president now who is showing global leaders weakness, whether it's weakness when it comes to energy dependence on Putin, Venezuela, and all of our our enemies, or it's basically them knowing there's going to be zero repercussions when it comes to Russia invading Ukraine. And obviously, as a Ukrainian-American, I feel very passionately that uh, Vladimir Putin is going to burn in hell. I hope a Ukrainian sends him there. But in the meantime, the United States, NATO, the world, someone has to come forward to make sure there's tough-as-nail sanctions because this is Hitler in 1939 all over again. Yeah, maybe David Frum will help you. Stefan Mihailu, great to see you tonight. Thank you so much. Good to see you, too. So that, what hit my ear was that, yeah, maybe David Frum will help you. What? So, because earlier in this episode, he was complaining about David, you know, David Frum is all about, is all about going to war, but he's not going to go to the front lines himself. 
So then here we have this Ukrainian guy saying he hopes the Ukrainian sends Vladimir Putin to hell, and Tucker said, yeah, maybe David Frum will help you. So, to my ears, like, there are two different ways I can hear that. One is charitable and one is monstrous. Either that's just like a, a snide shot at neocons like David Frum, where he's like, oh, I mean, well, that guy, he, he acts like he's on your side, but he's not actually going to help you. Or it's you guy, you and David Frum are both being hysterical comparing Putin to Hitler. This isn't actually that big of a deal, and I think you're on David Frum's team. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. You are, uh, you are, you hear much more of Tucker's bullshit than I do, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure which, it has to be one of those two things, but I'm not sure which thing he meant by that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I don't, I don't really understand, um, the, the lead up to that was about how it's more dangerous to be friends with I th- I thought he was talking about like the Democrats like the Biden administration right but I don't understand what connection that has to I don't know yeah yeah so that's everything from Friday uh, is it as simple as just like oh this guest I have on like to his audience oh this guest I have on is an idiot because he wants to Rush, he wants uh, Putin dead. Right, that's what I think. Like, it is might it, is be. it that simple? Yeah, I. Because I, Tucker, have been constructing a narrative that Russia is the person to side with right now, and that, and I've invited this Ukrainian on, who is being whose country is being invaded by, yes, <laughs> by Putin. Yeah, and then insults him for wanting his invader to be killed. Yes, that's where like, and. Th- that's where I'm at too. Like, if that's what Tucker meant, then that is fucking monstrous. Yeah. So, y- y- yeah, is it like just, oh, just buck up and take it? Like, gross. So, so that was that was the Friday show. Um, so then I don't have ve- I don't have very much more, but I have a handful of clips from uh, the week after. Tucker, he, you know, he's got a weekend between him. He's got a weekend now. He's had a weekend to mull things over, think it out. Um, and wanted to see how he comes back on Monday. And I think his main grievance on Monday is that people haven't forgotten yet about all those times he said Putin was reasonable, and he's really upset about it. Because um, he seems really fucking defensive on Monday. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. Happy Monday. No sane American approves of what Russia has done in Ukraine. We certainly don't, and we don't know anyone who does. On Twitter, you see Democrats (laughs) pretending that their political opponents are responsible for the invasion and somehow support it. So Joe Biden and his staff so mismanaged the world that Vladimir Putin invades Ukraine after Biden told us for months he could prevent that from happening, and yet all of it is your fault. So that's a slanderous lie. In this country, virtually everyone understands that the invasion of Ukraine is bad. It's bad for us and for the world. And Vladimir Putin is bad, too. So effectively, in America, those are settled facts. We can stop debating them. 
This was all Biden's fault. Do not look behind the curtain. I don't know why. I don't know why everybody's mad at me. <laughs> they, they, I mean, Biden said they could stop this, so I didn't think anything was going to happen. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I don't know anybody who thinks this is good. <laughs> Super defensive. I'm how, glad. Do, how do they keep getting away with this? How do they keep getting away with? Oh, it's just whichever prominent Democrat is in the news it's his fault their fault so transparently just like yeah everybody's mad at me and that's not fair i didn't do anything wrong it's joe biden's fault (laughs) yeah and then and then he's like uh projecting his issues onto like his viewers like so he's taking an article that's like hey tucker carlson sucks and then he's like he's saying they're saying that you suck yes and they're making and then so he's making them angry at people who aren't like antagonizing anyone except for Tucker. And he's going to do that like three more times. Great. It is also worth considering what's happening here in the United States concurrent with this war and justified by this war. And by that, we are speaking of the assault on civil liberties now underway. It would be ironic if a defensive democracy on the other side of the world led to an erosion of democracy here. And yet that seems to be where we're heading. You'll notice that the moment that Russian troops rolled across the border into Ukraine, Democrats wasted no time in attacking not just Putin, but their political opponents in this country. What did they have to do with it? Isn't war the moment for unity? We're all in this together. But they leveraged this war and the human suffering that it inevitably entails to make partisan points. Gosh, wouldn't it be evil if someone took a human rights tragedy such as an invasion of a sovereign nation by a fascist autocrat and used it to make political points about how, oh no, my gas prices are going to go up. (laughs) Isn't this the time for unity? They should quit being mean to their political enemies. I didn't do anything, guys. I didn't do anything. (laughs) Good lord. He's got a, he's, so he's got a clip as an example of these attacks on democracy and totally not attacks on Tucker Carlson uh, from Congressman Eric Swalwell. And as always, they're talking about themselves. Eric Swalwell, for example, recently took the maximum possible campaign donation from a lobbyist for Nord Stream 2 AG. Now, that's the company making the pipeline that will give Russia greater control over Europe's energy grid and from which the Russian government profits. So Eric Swalwell is taking money from the Russians. And by the way, this is a guy who had sex with a Chinese spy. Has he had sex with Russian spies? We don't know. But you'll notice the one guy who probably shouldn't be calling other people traitors as he takes money from Russian energy interests is whipping around and accusing everyone else of rooting for the Russians. Watch. We have Republicans who are rooting for Russia, and that makes it very hard for President Biden to get the whole country to go along when Donald Trump, Mike Pompeo, and Tucker Carlson are rooting for Russians, and that's being replayed on Russia TV to rally Russians for this cause. You know, it's such an awful thing to say. We hesitated even to play that. It's very common. You hear it every day. The question is, why are they saying that? It doesn't make sense, but it makes political sense. It is an effort to cover their own tracks. Our foreign policy establishment failed to constrain Vladimir Putin. To bring you back to ancient history, like a week ago, they were telling us that sanctions and arming the Ukrainian military would prevent a Russian invasion. Now, they were wrong about that. They've been wrong many times, most recently in Afghanistan. And in fact, now that we're casting blame, if there is any single American 
who deserves scorn and, yes, blame for the invasion of Ukraine, it would be Joe Biden. Of course, it was his job, self-described job, to prevent it. Joe Biden failed to prevent an invasion because he didn't plan. He, he didn't sanction Russia before they started invading Russia. If or before they started invading Ukraine, sorry. So if Biden had done that, which he would never do, if, if he had just sanctioned Russia before they had started aggressing, then Tucker would be out here saying Biden's an imperialist chill. Absolutely. Yeah, this damned is, if you do, damned if you don't, I guess. Th this is nonsense, but you might say it makes political sense. He's just trying to cover his tracks. <sighs> um, and th there's another example of him talking about media name-dropping him here. And this, like, this is just so clearly him trying to to shield himself because like those uh th those clips of russian media playing his monologues are getting traction mm -hmm. if we're going to protect democracy that should start at home and democracy is defined literally defined by the tolerance of the regime for dissent but no dissent is allowed so they've pulled rt off the airwaves in canada we did that long ago and that led mother jones magazine to ask this question today quote both RT and Sputnik air in the United States, too. Untrue, but whatever. They don't know. Will Biden follow suit and crack down on pro-Russia disinformation? If he does, U.S. cable companies will also need to scrutinize media outlets like Fox News, who shows Tucker Carlson in particular, have parroted pro-Russia talking points. Okay, so Putin invades Ukraine, self-evidently a tragedy, bad for the United States, and we're using that as a justification, because we care so much about democracy, to shut down any news organization, any journalist who questions the Democratic Party. Okay. I like it. He's like, they're trying to shut down any journalist who disagrees with them. The only journalist they mentioned was Tucker Carlson. <laughs> so, and uh, I, I would not call Tucker Carlson a journalist. Yeah. But One thing I will say for Tucker is that he often does not talk, he, or he does not often talk about himself. Um, even when he's talking about like the positions of his show, he will say, we. Um, and so it's, it's us versus them. And so for him three different times in this monologue to have uh, um, either played clips or read from sources explicitly naming him, but then pretending it's about everybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, like this, this just to me seems super defensive and like he's on the back foot a bit. He does it with confidence. So he, like, I think his audience doesn't think he's on the back foot at all. Um, but that's just a suspicion. But like he, this is how he pretends to be a, the protector of democracy because he's like, I'm speaking for the people and they're trying to stop me, even though they're not. Someone said I had a bad idea. They're trying to censor me. It's like, yeah, so which then, means they're trying to censor you. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's that's the bigger trick at play. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So that's the flavor of Monday. And then Tuesday and Wednesday, Ukraine coverage kind of falls into the background because there was a State of the Union that Tucker talks about a bunch. Okay. Um, so he gets a bit of a reprieve there. T Tucker takes a break for a couple of days, and then Thursday rolls around. He's like, man, people are still really being mean to me about all that stuff I said about how Putin was great. Gosh, um, I wonder why they might be doing that. So... They're not even... <laughs> he's He's not... If he if he just didn't read the news, like yeah. nothing would change in his life. Yeah. 
He's like, so by Thursday, he's like, okay, this isn't, I, I don't think people are just going to forget about this. So I'm going to need to explain it. I'm going to need to find a way to explain this away. And this leads to the most pathetic thing I have ever seen on his show. So this situation appears to become more chaotic by the day, possibly even spinning out of control. And that, we must be honest, is shocking to us. We've been taken by surprise by the whole thing. We're not the only ones who were, but we're willing to admit it. The only thing more embarrassing than being wrong in your estimates is pretending that you weren't. Okay, so good start. I, I, I was wrong. He's admitting that. I'm like, okay, maybe, we, maybe this won't be a train wreck. See, I, I don't trust that he's going to do that yet. <laughs> so he, I haven't been sold on him apologizing yet. Because now he's going to explain why he was wrong. So why didn't we see this coming, this total loss of control? Well, because we assumed that if things were dire, serious people would be involved in fixing them. But we looked up and we saw Kamala Harris involved. And that reassured us. The vice president of the United States <laughs> is not a serious person. Yeah. So. If the vice president of the United States was involved in anything that I did or said, I would consider that pretty damn serious. Yeah, that would probably be the most serious thing I had ever been involved in. Yeah. It's the fucking vice president. <laughs> but I guess she is a brown lady, so we don't have to take her seriously. Right, guys? But he, he's really going to try to defend the, defend this point, Tyler. And this is fucking embarrassing. Oh my, it gets worse. Harris had just come back from Europe where she'd been conducting, quote, diplomacy with her allies. And that appeared to be proof this could not really be a big deal. The situation in Ukraine had been legitimately serious. If the future of Europe and the world hung in the balance, as now so obviously it does, of course, the Biden administration would not have sent Kamala Harris to fix it because that's not her job. Kamala Harris's job is to trot down to the Blue Room periodically to greet delegations of TikTok influencers or to cut occasional PSAs for the Children's Dental Health Awareness Month, which is in February. So we assumed she'd be working on that right now. But averting war with Russia, saving the civilized world, come on. That is absolutely not Kamala Harris's job. That was our assumption. But as noted, we were wrong. Why were we wrong? Well, we spend a lot of time watching Kamala Harris. You probably don't, unless you are a junior producer at MSNBC, you're probably not that familiar with Kamala Harris. We should say, by the way, we didn't underestimate Vladimir Putin, we overestimated Joe Biden. But we knew that once Kamala Harris was involved, it couldn't really be that serious. And we knew that because this is what she's like. So then he plays a compilation of Kamala Harris gaffes. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but, like, Kamala Harris is the unserious person in this situation? Yeah. Yep, this fucking clown is trying, is trying to say he couldn't possibly have known that the vice president of the United States would be involved in foreign diplomacy. Yeah, he couldn't possibly have known the situation was actually serious. When 100,000 troops were amassing on the Ukrainian border, there, there was no possible way he might have known that this could go bad because the vice president was dealing with it. And she says some goofy things in interviews sometimes. So back in November, 
when he was saying, why, why wouldn't we side with Russia? That was okay, because he didn't think anything was, would actually happen, because two weeks ago, Kamala Harris went to a conference in Europe. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, so he plays this compilation of Kamala Harris gaffes that, and these gaffes, I mean, obviously there's that clip of her saying the time, the time is to do what, now is the time to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Um, it also okay. includes like a clip of her saying what her pronouns are, which isn't, which Tucker thinks is ridiculous. It's that kind of shit. Okay. Um, so just throw in some transphobia. And then on the back end of this compilation, I, I can even hear it in his voice. Tucker knows that this is pretty weak. So he's going to inject some comedy to, uh, to make it go down easier. This is just not a serious person, not surrounded by serious people. And yet we're in an extremely serious moment that demands seriousness. Of course, we must together work together to see where we are going together, but also see there's a moment together. If you've taken peyote, you know what she means. Otherwise, you're probably baffled. Once again, it's time for us to do what we've been doing. And that time is every day. It's like a Khalil Gibran poem, but the illiterate version, impossible to parse. When Kamala Harris speaks, you get the feeling you're either too dumb or too smart to understand what she's saying. But then within a few sentences, you settle firmly on the latter. What do our European allies think of this? Well, of course, they've come to the same conclusion. Less than two weeks ago, as all of this was brewing on the brink, the Biden administration sent that person, Kamala Harris, to represent the United States at the Munich Security Conference in Germany. And while she was there, she assured the world that she and Joe Biden had this situation completely under control. Yes, Putin would like to invade Ukraine. Of course he would, but not on her watch. Not while Kamala D. Harris was on the same continent, this continent known as Europe. No way. Harris exuded what novelists call a steely resolve. Imagine being first in line for a shoe sale on Black Friday. Kamala Harris had that look. She knew what she wanted and she knew where to find it. And here's how she expressed that resolve. And yes, this is a verbatim quote from the Munich Security Conference. Quote, perhaps this is a moment, as life does present us with those moments, that challenge us to ask, what is our reason for being? And I think we all know the history of NATO and its reason for being. The spirit behind this term we use, the transatlantic community, the word community meaning a collection, not a collection of individuals who see themselves as a collection, then as one. And that's where we are now. So if the vice president of the United States interrupts an adult security conference to talk like that, you conclude that whatever crisis they're talking about at the conference couldn't be imminent. They must have plenty of time to fix it. And that's why they could afford to send Kamala Harris in the first place, because actually it's not as big a deal as it seems. Clearly, the White House must see the European heads of state as equivalent to TikTok influencers. And this is some kind of photo op. That's what we concluded. How could we not conclude that? Okay. So I feel like we've we've kind of been here already, but Tucker Carlson, why should Americans care what happens in Ukraine is now mad that Kamala Harris specifically didn't invade Russia to stop the invasion of Ukraine. Even it, like th this is a this is an embarrassingly bad excuse. But even if we take this at face value, like even if this was the reason why he didn't think that Russia was going to invade, it was because we sent Kamala Harris to deal with it. That speaks so poorly of Tucker's skills of analysis or research or his knowledge of the world, his his ability to like reach out to sources to procure information. 
if the only thing at his disposal here was to look at who did the administration send to give a speech, oh, well, they think they're silly, so this probably isn't a big deal. If that's honestly the extent of his analysis, then he is not worth listening to on the merits. Oh, that's true. I wish... Yeah, I wish that mattered. <laughs> Qualifications and whatnot. And then he uh, he attempts to inject some, like... Um, policy gravitas into this argument to make it to make it seem reasonable and this this falls flat too and then there was this clue the day after kamala harris said the words we just read talked about her reason for being the day after she said that she explicitly encouraged ukraine to join nato quote i appreciate and admire president Zelensky's desire to join nato she said that at a press event now we saw that and we thought Obviously, the Biden people must have this under control in some way we don't know about. They must have some secret back channel to Putin. They must have been fully assured that saying something so unbelievably inflammatory is not going to push Putin to invade Ukraine. We assume that. I mean, how could it be otherwise? It's the United States. It's a real country. Putin was already going to invade Ukraine. The idea that Ukraine might join NATO obviously caused this crisis in the first place, whatever you think of it. We know, because we've watched for years, the more Western leaders pushed the idea of Ukraine and NATO, the closer Russians came to invading Ukraine. It's not a defense of that. It's just an observation of it. That's true. So obviously no sane person would say something like that with Russian troops massed on the Ukrainian border. You'd have to want an invasion of Ukraine to say something like that. And at the time, we didn't think they did want that. So we got it completely wrong. So... Putin annexed Crimea in 2014 and uh, eight years ago has just to point that out has maintained a military presence since then began dramatically increasing military presence on the Ukrainian border in November but it, because two weeks ago Kamala Harris made a comment about appreciating and admiring his own desire to join NATO that's what pushed Putin to invade and what I heard was that we shouldn't have okay he's accusing the west of of um wanting to get ukraine into nato and he's saying that that is a threat to russia and that's why russia invaded ukraine but he's got it backwards because russia can't take nato but it thinks it can take ukraine without the support of nato and by the way of course that that quote about uh Kamala Harris appreciating Zelensky's desire to join NATO is out of context. Um, this is from remarks she made to the press corps. The question she was responding to was a question about something else that President Zelensky said yesterday relating to NATO. He seemed to question the sincerity of allies, including the U.S., in terms of a desire to admit Ukraine to NATO. Is there any reaction to those pretty pointed comments from the president? To which Kamala Harris replied, let me start by saying I appreciate and admire President Zelensky's desire to join NATO. And one of, again, the founding principles of NATO is that each country must have the ability, unimpaired, unimpeded, to determine their own future, both in terms of their form of government and, in this case, whether they desire to be a member of NATO. And I'll put that in context, because the obvious is also the point, which is that, and therefore, no other country can tell anyone whether they should or should not join NATO. That should be their independent choice. That is the point of sovereignty. So I respect President Zelensky's desire to be a member of NATO. NATO is a membership. It is about nations coming together as a group, making decisions collectively around, again, principles and what will be, then, the conditions and the standards of membership. 
And so that is the process. It doesn't happen overnight. No country can say, I want to be, and therefore I will be. And no one country can say, you can't be. And isn't that at the heart of the very issue we're presented with in terms of Russia's aggression toward Ukraine? So that was a, a long meandering answer, but the point, the point of it is essentially like, uh, yeah, I mean, we're not so hot, we're not so crazy about Ukraine joining NATO right now. No one country can make that decision. Uh, you know, it's a process, guys. It's going to take a bit. So fundamentally in support of democracy. Cool. Thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, so if if we are accepting Tucker's premise, which is bullshit, but if you accept the premise that the reason Russia needed to invade Ukraine was because they were worried about NATO membership. And Kamala Harris's comments here should actually have been reassuring to Putin. Yeah, because she basically said there's no way that Ukraine's going to be in NATO tomorrow. Yeah. And we have just one final clip from this from this disaster. All right. Because um, this is where I, I was like, Honestly, this is where I turned it off, because if, if this is the level of his argumentation, there's there's going to be nothing for us here. And honestly, we've continued to get it wrong ever since. We assume that once Kamala Harris humiliated the United States in Munich and jeopardized its core interests, that maybe her boss, Joe Biden, would realize maybe borders aren't her thing. Maybe if you want to keep the border between two countries from being violated, maybe you don't send Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris believes borders are racist or something. So obviously, it's pretty hard for her to protect borders. So it was always a strange personnel choice. Biden's been around a while. You think, you know, the key to good management is matching the person with the job. Not everybody's good at everything. So if you're looking for someone to date Montel Williams, well, maybe she's the person you would choose. She could be a solid choice that she's done it before. Dating Montel Williams, you know, is something that's within her range of experience. Is she good at it? We can't say she's, but she's done it. But this new gig, de-escalating a world-ending conflict with a nuclear-armed rogue state, no, no, not when nuclear reactors are on fire. Fuck this show. <laughs> yeah, uh, fuck Tucker Carlson. <laughs> yeah, that is like th th that. That was embarrassing, and he should be embarrassed. I wish that this mattered. You know, I was trying to be so upbeat at the at the beginning of this. Um, <laughs> I I hate that. Um, he can stoop to this level and his audience is probably like, yeah. yeah, that Kamala Harris person isn't serious and she shouldn't be allowed to do anything. The So he's like sowing disapproval for just like the existence of a vice president at all because he doesn't like this one. Yeah. Um, and this is and this is how he chose to try and cover his ass for carrying water for Putin for months. Yep, and it will probably work. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Yeah. So, I would say Tucker Carlson is not a serious person. Um, Absolutely not. And covering uh, covering geopolitical conflicts that's not that's not Tucker Carlson's job. No, not when nuclear arms are involved. He's he's not qualified for this. Nope. Last time he did it, he got embarrassed too. So hopefully, he's embarrassed this time. Yeah, like a. Uh, a person capable of learning from their mistakes might think, hey, maybe I should shut up and go away. <laughs> maybe I'm bad at this. Yeah. But that's not who we're dealing with. So, uh, Tyler, what's our sworn enemy? <laughs> <laughs> okay. This one's a stretch, okay? Just just work with me here. Um, our sworn enemy is James Bond. 
Okay. Because he did not repel from the skylight into the office of Vladimir Putin and shoot him dead before the invasion could begin. You know what? That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Tuck It Out, the sworn enemy of James Bond. <laughs> so it, basically it's James Bond's fault that uh, Ukraine and Russia are at war, according to Tucker's logic. So yeah, so fuck James Bond. He should go to jail. Fuck James Bond. Uh, <laughs> we will be back um, to continue calling for this. <laughs> In the meantime, um, we, we, we do have a website. It's tuckeroutpod.com. We're on Twitter, at tuckeroutpod. Uh, you can join our Facebook group, Wokeristas. You can email the show, uh, tuckeroutpod at gmail.com. And uh, you can support the show on Patreon or PayPal. Um, we will be back next week with a new episode for you. And uh, in the meantime, seriously, don't watch this show. This is this is a train wreck no and try to enjoy your life yeah like maybe burn your tv if, <laughs> if like he's if he's ever been on there yeah and i guess don't watch russian state media either because he's all over that now yeah Troy, we started this podcast like almost a year ago and uh i thought shit was bad a year ago and now and now we're here yeah we it, Sorry, the show's supposed to be over, but goddamn. It, no, it's like, started at the bottom, and now we're here even lower. Yeah, it's like you thought you were at rock bottom, but Tucker brought a jackhammer, Just you know? Broke through rock bottom, we're reaching new depths, baby. Yeah. We're, we're hitting magma. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, see you all next week, and um, ending show now. Thanks for listening. Buck up, it's gonna get better. <laughs>